You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to another edition here or episode or whatever we're calling this this week of Fight in Progress. I almost forgot it's been so long since I've been in here what I'm doing. <laughs> Isn't that right, Joel? Yeah, I, I was trying to think of the last time we were in here. I feel like it's been a long time. I do too. And like I said, I know I wasn't here for the last episode because I was somewhere else. I don't know, probably lost somewhere. You were with a client, I think. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, my life is not my own. At least that's own. what I think I said. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my life is not my own anyway. So this is Susan Simmons, one of your hosts. Hello, Tom. <laughs> Good morning for us. Anyway, it's morning. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Some places probably not. And then we have Joel, our producer here in studio, because one day... <laughs> my fans narcissistic much <laughs> what are you talking about that's, that's the the real fans that's our uh, yeah because we have so studio. many people in studio yeah. here <laughs> yeah so cancer update thursday is my next to the last treatment and then I'm down to Almost one. Almost done. December 21st. Yes. I feel like that went by pretty fast, too. Well, I'm glad you think so. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can honestly tell you, I don't think so. <laughs> it feels like this has been going on for years. You're right, Joel. It seemed like it, seemed like it was a long time before it was going to be over now look we're already here yeah yeah I mean. I, i'm so i'm just thrilled it was so easy for you people i just i, I have really stayed awake at night worrying about how stressed y'all were over this <laughs> yeah and sadly my taste buds went completely off the rails again man so thanksgiving mm. sucked but you oh, know no. yeah i mean food wise i had fun with friends but you know one of those well things. maybe they'll come back because we're we're still in the holidays, so there's going to be some good food still. Yeah, but maybe. if I have treatment the 21st of December, something tells me it ain't going to be right <laughs> by the 24th or 25th. Well, maybe next year. Maybe it's a Christmas present. Uh, <laughs> no, the beauty of the holidays, there's always next year. That's yeah. right. You know, it's coming again. It just won't come fast enough. But anyway, at least I'll be done getting that crap pumped in my body, I do hope. So we'll see. Yeah, we got to figure out those taste buds. Because I started making uh, uh -oh. some Puerto Rican eggnog is basically what it is. Oh, I'm not sure that's a good combination. Mm, it's good. Puerto Rican and eggnog. I, <laughs> that just doesn't seem to sit well. I don't know. No, I, it's, it's called Coquito. I bet that does have a name but. to it. <laughs> and nobody can pronounce it after the first sip. <laughs> you forget all about it. it. It's really good. So we got to get your taste buds back. Okay. We'll have to see. <laughs> Anyway, I don't think there's anything else happening other than I'm headed to Yakima, Washington next week. And it's going to be 40 is the high, 22 is the low. Wow. Doesn't look like snow, but I wouldn't hmm. mind a little if I'm going to be there in cold temperatures. I just assume see a little white stuff, but um, I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to go on a three-day sailing trip. Well, there you go. See? <laughs> what? You won't Hopefully be seeing won't snow either. Hopefully it won't end up either. on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> it, with that crew, it very likely could. Yeah. Uh -huh. There's seven of us going on this trip. 
Well, I have to tell y'all, and I'll have to give an update on it because I looked up the highlights and the sightseeing part to Yakima, Washington, <laughs> and apparently they have a theater there. Mm-hmm. And in the description from a review, it says, oh, God. "The downstairs bathrooms are amazing." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you need like a VIP pass for those? I, I'm, I'll let you know because I'm going, and I, I'm going to find out. <laughs> Because I have no idea what makes a bathroom not upstairs, but Mm -hmm. the downstairs bathrooms are amazing. That was the only thing it said about this place. And I went, okay, so I see a trip to this theater. I I can't wait to tell the cop, I got to go to this theater. That's right. (laughs) You got, because I'm not renting a car, because I'm not driving in Yakima. They don't want me driving in Yakima. And uh, I'm going to tell him, I got to go check out the downstairs bathrooms. And he's going to be like, who is this woman and why have we brought her here? <laughs> I mean, when I lived in Texas, they always told me to go to Bucky's oh, yeah. for their bathrooms. Right. Well, Bucky's is a is an adventure in itself. It is. It's like a whole supermarket. Plus, yeah. it's a Walmart and a Target Super Target <laughs> yeah. and everything yeah. else combined. But their bathrooms were pristine, so Well, but pristine doesn't necessarily make it amazing. That's why I gotta find out what amazing is. Because I just can't imagine what's in a bathroom in Yakima. <laughs> so we'll do an update on the show for that yeah. one. Yeah, maybe we'll even have pictures. Should we go live? We could. <laughs> <laughs> I can flush the toilets and show you how they work. Maybe there's something exciting to that. <laughs> anyway, getting to our guest today, we have someone from over in my part of the world. Mm-hmm. So he and I do not have a language barrier. The rest of y'all may not understand a word we say. But according to my pastor, he's in he's in God's country, but that, that is different from the Holy Land <laughs> in Alabama. But he's in Tennessee. At least he's in the right part of the world. And it ain't Georgia. Because I may not even be discussing Georgia next week. We'll, we'll see how it goes on Saturday, but I'm going to say roll tide anyway. And that was a heck of a game this past Saturday. So I'm just, I found out how strong my heart was. In the last 43 seconds of a football game. But anyway, uh, we want to welcome Jason Johnson, from, and your uh, nonprofit is called Canine Project. Project Canine Hero. Project Canine Hero. So this, you're talking my language when you start talking dogs here. I got a German shepherd at home that I'll send to live with you if she doesn't learn to behave better. Well, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me, and it's an honor to be on your show today. And uh, uh, as we get in, remind me to tell you more about Yakima, Washington. Oh, yes. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I'd never heard of this place, and everybody I tell it to, they've all lived there. Somebody's been there, and I'm like, I miss out on all this stuff. Well, I I hope that's a good story. Have you been to these amazing bathrooms? (laughs) I, I, I know exactly where it is. I'm a former Yakima police officer, canine handler, and SWAT what? officer. No, <laughs> no way. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, the world gets small. Is it worth the trip to those bathrooms? Well, if you're working with the police department, it's just going to be across the block down the street, about eighth of a mile away. So you'll be able to find it real, 
real close. But it's a, it's a, it's a historic theater, and oh. uh, they've kind of remodeled it. I haven't necessarily been to the downstairs bathroom, but uh, <laughs> I know they, they, they put in like good comedians and concerts and, and shows there, so it, I know they keep it up pretty well. Nice. Well, I'll let you know how the, the downstairs are from the upstairs <laughs> ones, but I'm actually there with the sheriff's department uh, teaching okay. for, for them for two days. But, yeah, how man, they, a cop. They all, uh, they all remember me there. Um, I left in 2008 when I went overseas for the government, but uh, I was I was there from uh, 2003 to 2008 at that department and uh, uh, was involved with the FOP there, was on the executive board and all that stuff. So they all... They all know me really well there. But does that mean I should drop your name or I shouldn't drop your name? (laughs) You'll be fine. The sheriff knows me well, uh, you know, and everything. It's as long as they've they've been working pre two thousand eight, they'll know who I am. Okay. Other than that, I can't I can't say that they will. Well, um, you know, I said uh, I don't even know how they found me, but uh, apparently they've had a lot of violence and stuff there uh, with the sheriff's department. A lot of lot of critical incidents that the deputies have been involved yeah. in and stuff. So, yeah, um, there's there's a lot of gang related activity in Yakima because of the uh, it's a agriculture area mm-hmm. there in the valley because of the hops in the fields and things which bring in different communities. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of um, uh, gang related communities moving up from different areas, whether it be out of the United States or different states, and they kind of bring that culture with them. Hmm. Um, and that's that's what's kind of related to the the gang problems in Yakima, wow. in my opinion, and and why the mothers and fathers are out working in these uh, agriculture environments. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The young teenage kids are the problem. It's not really an adult gang problem. It's a young teenage kid problem there in Yakima. So. As a former, uh, I was the first narcotics canine handler they had on patrol with my dog Flash there. Wow. So uh, I, uh, and then like I said, I was on the SWAT team as well. Yeah. And I was, uh, I know, know the area very well. It afforded me the opportunity to uh, actually get into running what I do today with Project Canine Hero. Nice. And, and for our listeners, this was all planned. We did all this research beforehand. <laughs> this was a nice segue. I don't know what Joelle's talking about because I didn't have a clue. But I, I am, I, I'm just finding out. And uh, the older I get, the smaller this world gets, and all that yeah. because I was very, I'm very familiar with parts that part of Washington, but I'd never heard Yakima before. Um, because uh, it's really, Lethbridge. yeah, it's really the biggest, one of the biggest communities between Seattle area and Spokane. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for the middle of the state, it's probably the probably the largest city between the two on the on the each end of it. Um, um, it's too so bad I, you're going. I think I worked there. I think it was population eighty thousand, but the daytime population is a quarter million because everyone comes in town to work. Oh wow! Uh, I think that was the numbers back then. I don't know what they are today. Now this isn't the time of year that the hops are all growing, right? No, no, uh, but there's because, a lot of wineries and stuff. There. Oh yeah, because yeah. because you'll yeah. you'll miss out uh, to actually seeing how the hops grow and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. There's, there's a lot of breweries and stuff there, yeah. but yep. Apple Country too. Yeah. A lot of yeah. uh, apples come from Silo, which is a community right next door. Um, yeah, you, you'll be a lot have a lot to do uh, when we get off the uh, when we get done with this. You can tell me your your point of contact there, and I'll. I'll I'll uh, oh, cool. make sure I give him a call. Awesome. Yeah, I've been to Wenatchee. I taught there, and I actually dated yeah. a guy from Wenatchee and uh, Leavenworth. Oh, yeah. And somehow I, he never mentioned Yakima, <laughs> but okay. Leavenworth is uh, Leavenworth is beautiful yeah. and one small world. My SWAT, my SWAT partner in SWAT school is the uh, patrol commander at 
uh, Wenatchee PD. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I taught for the feds up there. I don't know how we wound up Wenatchee, but anyway, we yeah. did. And it's yeah. a good area. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. So it'll be nice and chilly and. Uh, yeah, me and all my winter clothes from here in Phoenix are going to be in good shape. And <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> anyway, tell us all about your uh, nonprofit and, and how you got yeah. into this and what it does. Well, since we started talking about Yakima, I'll just reverse on how I got started and how we, we got Great. going with Project Canine Hero. I came in the United States Army in 1993, wanted to be a soldier my whole life didn't know anything about dogs. I, I, I grew up in a community in Michigan that didn't have a canine unit, wasn't in a military base or anything like that. So my grandfathers were war soldiers, uh, Korean War, a Navy, uh, one, one in World War II, a Navy CB, one in the Korean War, a U.S. Marine. And li- listen to their stories growing up, probably when I was about 10 years old, I was like, I'm, I'm joining the military, I'm going to do that. But I wanted to be a military police officer because I wanted to get in law enforcement. So when I joined in 93, uh, become an MP. I didn't know anything about dogs or anything, and I, I learned we had a, a military working dog program, um, and I, I wanted to work really hard to try to advance my career into working with dogs. I served for five years there, and I wanted to get out and get in civilian law enforcement. Uh, when I got out, I started at uh, Puyallup Police, which is in the Seattle area. Mm-hmm. Um, I got out in 98. I started there in 99. Um, it was a really good department. It's right in uh, Pierce County, outside of Tacoma. Um, I was I was the youngest person on the department. I was only 23, so I started corying, working with the Pierce County Metro Canine Unit, putting on the bite suit, running tracks at night, <laughs> stuff like that. All the stuff you need to put in to kind of get into a canine position at a police department. Yep. Um, my wife at the time had got out of the military. She was an air traffic controller there at Fort Lewis, and got a job over at Yakima Tower. So it was easier for me to just transfer. And that's how I ended up in Yakima in uh, 2003 in January. And uh, again started immediately um, volunteering my time with the canine unit, putting on the bite suit, running tracks. I started uh, working with the narcotics uh, detection team that was with the Washington State Patrol mm-hmm. and going to the trainings, taking my own time, days off, whatever I could do to learn. And we got a new chief around uh, my after my first year there, during my first year there, and he came from Texas. And he had a background in narcotics, and he kind of wondered why we didn't have a narcotics canine program. We have all these drug problems in the area, but no narcotics canine program. No. Come on. What you talking about drugs up there? I I don't know what you're talking about. I think everywhere has a drug problem. But, um, you know, we we quickly uh, put together a proposal to get a unit started. I had been putting in a few years of work with with the patrol dogs and the narcotics dogs and the detection dogs and any dog I could get my hands on. And uh, I was fortunate to become the first canine handler there in Yakima to uh, handle a, a narcotics detection dog on patrol. And uh, my dog's name was Flash, and she went on to do great things. Uh, Flash, in her career, had 3,000 deployments and 2,200 fines. Wow. And, and, was that a Mal, Shepherd, Lab? No, what was she, she? Was, no, she was a, a mix. And on our website, we have a lot of books about her. I have two children's books, one called Canine Flash. Uh, becomes a hero and it talks about her story how she was going to be euthanized in an animal shelter up in everett uh, prior to us getting her and going to school at this washington state patrol academy wow. and becoming a police canine wow. and the moral of that story is you can become anything in the world that you want to be as, as long as you're willing to work hard enough to earn it so those are my children's books uh they're both on our website project canine i gotta but, order um, that book and walk in yakima with it and go look who i know yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> they'll yeah, roll out the red carpet <laughs> Flash was a huge deal there. I got recruited in 2008 to go overseas to work for the ambassador of the United States in Iraq um, to be a dog handler and protective security specialist. 
uh, I had a 30-day job opportunity uh, with the Department of State, and I, I took that, and I got hired. And so I had to leave Yakima behind in 2008, but I also had to leave Flash behind. And she stayed on the apartment working with another two handlers. I went on to do a few hundred tour, a few hundred uh, red zone missions in Iraq, uh, three tours there. Then I went on to additional in Afghanistan. I worked for Ambassador Carl Eikenberry and uh, did work for uh, General Stanley McChrystal. I did their personal security details. So I did uh, everything from the U.S. president on down there. Uh, if there was going to be a high-level meeting, I was the primary dog handler or one of them used for those meetings. I was also the primary dog handler used for the elections in the country of Iraq in 2008. And I was the primary dog handler used for the elections for the uh, country of Afghanistan in 2009. And we had visitors like our Secretary of State at the time, which was Hillary Clinton. And we had visitors like in Iraq, like President George Bush and things like that. So it was a, a very great experience. And I took that experience and I, I got out of the contracting business because after you do a couple hundred red zone missions, uh, what's the difference between 250 and 500 missions? You're just risking your life more. Yep. Um, it was yep. pretty dangerous at the time. And what I was doing was extremely dangerous. And I got hired by the ATF and I went to the national Academy right outside DC mm-hmm. and I become a, an instructor and a course developer. And I instructed agencies like the U S marshals and the FBI and the CIA and the ATF and the national geospatial agency, all branches of the military and up to 21 foreign countries with our anti-terrorism assistance program. And there I got to work with about 2,000 dog teams all around the world <laughs> after my after my overseas experience and tr- trying to teach them, you know, how to safely navigate the explosive detection world and how to train dogs and how to be a great handler. So that was a good experience. And then I wanted to go back operational and, you know, after doing about five or six years there, you, being, a, being an instructor at a National Academy like that is kind of like being a drill sergeant. <laughs> you're just teaching from day one to graduation day and while it's great work it's not as challenging as the operational world and up to my whole life with the military and the police being at yakima pd being on swat being on k9 uh being overseas in iraq and afghanistan i had always been operational so i want to get back into doing something that i felt meant something with immediate response and so i went to homeland security i took a promotion there I was a field canine coordinator for the region. So these dogs you see at the airports all over America, they sniff passengers for explosives. I managed a portion of that program uh, in the Midwest region. And uh, I was a DC employee, but I kind of covered an area. We did things like the RNC in 2016. Um, I was uh, in charge of that there. We had over a hundred teams protecting when uh, President Trump was first running. Uh, You can imagine the amount of threats and explosive threats we had there in Cleveland that year. making sure it's both police and federal. So you have the TSA dogs, Homeland Security, and you have the dogs that are police departments at the airport that I managed. When I was doing that, they would come to me when their dog got sick, uh, whether it had uh, you know hip issues, leg issues, lymphoma, cancer, whatever it may be, and we'd retire the dog. And I was a government employee who was able to take the dog out of the program, let them keep it, but I also took it out of financial responsibility of the government. And I didn't think that was right. And we were... We worked the dogs, and this, this applies to my experience in the military, police department, and federal government. We worked the dogs right up to the point they can no longer work. They mm-hmm. physically can't do it anymore, just like a soldier. Yep. And then we're done with them, and we wash our hands with them. And we give them to the handler. The handler can take them. If not, we find another resource for them, but we do not pay anything for them. That, that goes for our military mm. and our federal law enforcement at 100%. And then there's some agencies that have, like, maybe a union or a certain fund that they try to help. 
but not every dog gets that kind of assistance. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to start an organization that was there to help them with their medical care, there to help them if they needed rehabilitation or rehoming so they didn't get euthanized. And that's what we have here in Tennessee. We have 177 acres. Um, I started this in March of 2016. I took $500 on my pocket. I was still a government employee back then. <laughs> and I wanted to start a national 501c3, which is what we have now. And in this past year, in just our seventh year, we raised over $4.4 last year. We're approaching $20 million lifetime. And we have 260 program members lifetime. And we pay their medical bills for the rest of their life. If they come in here uh, on special needs, whether they're getting cancer treatments, uh, like yourself, ma'am, uh, those are tens of thousands of dollars for the dogs and no sure. first responder uh police officer deputy sheriff military member has that kind of money they just they just don't have it right. well here's and what so, i want to know can yeah. can i can i just come with my shepherd who's a year old and we just come live on your hundred acres <laughs> it's, it's pretty nice uh you know we have dogs out here that protected the presidency of the united states and wow. we have dogs out here that worked in congress capitol hill uh, we have dogs with the Army, the Air Force, um, and, and police departments all over. I think you guys are in Phoenix. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, out, of, out of the 260 members, 90% of those do stay with their handler. But particularly, we have K-9 Dennis from Phoenix PD, and we have K-9 Jax in our program. And K-9 Dennis was shot in the line of duty uh, a few years ago, and he has a serious uh, injury. He has um, still shrapnel in his body. He had to retire. He went back to work for a little bit and had to retire. So Was he at Phoenix PD? He is. He's is, still alive. Is he, he the one that in, came that the guy came out of the ceiling? I'm not sure. Do you remember what <clears throat> the case was with him? I do. Uh, I've seen, I have a video of it, but on the video, I can't see where the guy came out. It was in a house. Uh, the video, uh, you can hear the gunshots. You can hear Dennis whining. Uh -huh. uh, in the video, you only can kind of see the hallway, so I can't speak on it. Yeah, that's what it was. Or not. Yeah. I can tell you it was probably about two years ago. Yep. And... Uh, Yep. I don't know of another Phoenix PD that was shot in the line of duty yeah, uh, during this time. I'm pretty sure but that Dennis, was that one. Dennis is getting our help. Uh, and do you give me an example, even doing your job, getting shot in the line of duty, the agencies aren't there to pay those medical bills mm -hmm. when the dog retires. And now that's on the handler. Mm -hmm. And why is it the handler's problem to pay these bills, right? right. I mean, what did, I was a former police canine handler. Um, we don't get extra money to take care of the medical care if our dog gets hurt in the line of duty. Yep. So that's what Project Canine Hero does. We're here to help those military members, first responders, to help make sure those dogs do not go without and they get the best care possible wow. or rehabilitation rehoming out here. Wow. So that's kind of the breakdown on how I got here. It's my 30th year. I just hit my 30th year uh, this past September. And I feel like every day we're just getting started and we're <laughs> um, trying to get out there and raise more money. And we have over 700 pending applications for program services with police and military dogs here. Wow. We put in one new hero a week, 52 a year. So I base that on special needs and financial burden. Like Dennis, he got shot in the line of duty. Sure. The other dog we have there is canine jacks and, and jacks has a like a degenerative disease in the spine and back uh where it just couldn't work no more based on kind of a more of a genetic issue that you know can't be foreseen until they got older uh -huh. and we're, we're we're and i'm just giving you an example in phoenix sure. you know and we look at an example in yakima but pretty much all around the united states with 260 members we have them and uh, all but two states right now. So, and then, you know, with every branch of the military. Now, what do you mean by member? Member is a dog. The dog itself is the program member. Okay. And that dog is like canine uh, Dennis or canine Jacks. And that's who we're providing that medical care for life, food and death benefit assistance for. 
but they don't necessarily live there with you. They no. could only, still be with the handlers. Only about 10% of the dogs that we have in our program need a place to go. Like I said, 90% do get to stay with their handler. They mm -hmm. just need help with those medical bills. But then again, there's 10% that may be too aggressive, sure. um, family issue, kids at home, bit the spouse, all kinds of reasons why they may not be able to stay there. How about just crazy? I got one just crazy. She's just nuts. We call it misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to let her hear you say that because she'll milk that for everything it's worth, let me assure you. Misunderstood. Yeah, Mac, 90 yeah. pounds, misunderstood. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, no, she's going. She's going to be our therapy uh, service dog here at Under the Shield. She's not but a year old, but she's ninety pounds, oh, and yeah, and some days, really, getting a puppy during chemo probably wasn't one of my better decisions. But we're working it out. We're we're coming to an understanding. <laughs> now, do you like? Do y'all let people come up and tour? Uh, your facilities? We do, v we do VIP tours. We're not open to the public. We're in a gated community. It's secure. Like I said, some of these dogs, they're not only are they dangerous, but you know, we as a government and society put a lot of money in their training. Mm -hmm. Some of them over a million dollars, I'd say. We got canine rip here in my office. He served with uh, ATS Special Response Team 3. Mm -hmm. he, he is on the Dallas Fort Worth team, and he did over 300 high-risk missions all around the United States, uh, taking down some of our most wanted criminals. And if you can imagine the amount of training we've placed into that dog or his specialties, we don't let just anybody come up here. And, uh, you know, a lot of people want to volunteer stuff, but our organization doesn't work like that, unfortunately, because you got to know what you're doing. you got to be specialized. Okay. you got to have experience. These dogs are here for a reason. That means the military, police, and government can no longer take care of them. They couldn't handle them. And because of my 30 years' experience, uh, they rely on they rely on me of all the things I told you my background to get here sure. um, to do that. Now, what kind of dog is he that you said's in the office with you? Uh, Rip is a Belgian Malinois. He's thirteen. Uh, he and he, um, you know, the ATS special response team does stuff like Hell's Angel search warrants. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, some of the bigger missions where the local and state uh, police agencies might be a little bit too big for him. But you know. They do training with the Navy SEALs and Delta Force and every branch of federal government. So the amount of training, we just, you know, they're repelling from helicopters and, and all kinds of things. You sure. know? So we put a lot of time in those. And, and that's something that I need to protect as the founder and CEO of this organization to make sure nothing happens to them while they're on this property. And have it, that's why we're closed off to the public. Yeah, something tells me, too, it's probably one of the safest places in this country, too. <laughs> it is. It is. We got we got 11 patrol dogs here. And, uh, you know, I give back to the community, too. When I moved to this county in Tennessee, our local sheriff's office didn't have a canine unit. And, of course, they have a drug problem like the rest of the world, and yep. I wanted to fix that. So we donated one to them, and now they have a canine unit that we uh, funded. And, uh, nice. Uh, fortunately, we don't have a lot of problems here anymore. <laughs> yeah, I bet you don't. Yep. You started just to say that you were 41 and— yeah, I, I had an opportunity to just finish up my federal career, earn my retirement, but I really saw a need in this, and I figured if I wasn't going to do it, who was going to do it? So in March mm -hmm. of 16, I took the leap, started it. When you're in the government, they don't want you talking about your nonprofit or other things. So, <laughs> you know, for the first year, almost a little less than a year, I stayed in the government until January 17. But I really thought, hey, if I really want to take this to where the where we're at today, I need to quit my job, take the leap and believe in myself and really do this. So that's what I did, which people called me crazy. But now that I'm out of the federal government, uh, they call me every day with needing help. And, you know, and I'm, I'm honored to help. And I'm honored to still have those relationships with all the agencies I worked with, because now we're a resource for them. Mm -hmm. And I feel as if 
uh, they can trust uh, me as the founder and us as an organization to take on these heroes uh, because we have a background and experience with them. Sure. How many people actually work for the nonprofit? You know, when we first started, we were at zero. I volunteered the first three years. Uh, didn't start taking a salary, so we do it. Started doing over a million a year, and mm -hmm. now you have to run it like a business. I own some other businesses. I own actually a CEO or president of eight businesses. Wow. Uh, when you quit your job as an entrepreneur and want to be an entrepreneur, <clears throat> no longer in the government, you're never going to make what you want in the nonprofit world. So <clears throat> you got to keep your hat and all the rings you have experience <laughs> in. So I'm in government yeah. contracting, overseas things, canine training, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But having that said, we're up to 18 employees today. Um, wow. You know, we're on our way over $5 million. I have goals to be a $10 million and $20 million organization. The great thing is the last two years we've been at 88% program services with only 6% admin. So when a lot nice. of people look at your nonprofit mm -hmm. and want to donate to that, that's a big thing. I know other nonprofits that are just reverse of that. You yes. know, they have 72% fundraising and 16% uh, you know, in program services. So we work hard. We wear a lot of different hats here. Mm -hmm. All of our uh, full-time staff's about eight, and then the rest are maybe, um, you know, consultants or like an advertising specialist or a grant consultant, or we have a, D a government liaison in D.C. We're, we're working on bills. I want to pass laws that change the way we look at military working dogs and police canines in retirement. Yep. I want the federal government to help with their funding. I want military police or military working dogs to be able to continue to go to the military vets in their retirement to receive care mm -hmm. at no cost, all the things of which are not happening today. So, again, if if I'm not the voice for it in Congress in Washington, D.C., who's going to be? Sure. And so with our platform, not Project Canine Hero, that's important to me. Well, you know, the things that always bothered me was when you'd hear about uh, when veterans or our military was coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, how they left the dogs. Did you get involved in any of those things, too? I, I sure have been. Um, you know, obviously, I was a dog handler in Iraq and Afghanistan. So we there was a law passed years ago saying the military couldn't leave dogs behind Robbie's law. And that, that, that has been adhered to. You look back at Vietnam, we have a program member who was a handler in Vietnam and, you know, his dog was euthanized there when he was there without him knowing. <laughs> and, and during that era, we left a lot behind. So there was a law passed years ago prior to the Iraq Afghanistan incidents that we're not going to leave military working dogs behind. I can agree in my research and with my knowledge that didn't happen. However, yeah. we have contracts dogs with the DOD department of state, other government entities that belong to other companies who work for the government but are not government employees, who are not military working dogs, they're playing the same role. They do explosive detection. They, they guard our gates. Some of those were left behind on contract, yes. And mm -hmm. I, I've done interviews with many news outlets. Uh, that, that When that came out, I did one with the Washington Post. And uh, that's just unfortunate. And what, what with my experience, what happened was, is they weren't allowed to we're not allotted the amount of time they needed logistically to get the dogs out of there. Our government pulled the plug. As you know, they shut down the airport. They shut down mm -hmm. the flights. And mm -hmm. that is a failure uh, to me directly at our highest level of government. Yes. If they if they had given the opportunity to get them out, they would have got them out. Yep. But they shut everything down. We closed down Bagram. We closed down uh, right there in Kabul. And there was no opportunity to get them out. And I know a lot of organizations fought for a long time. Those were dogs who served as contract working dogs for entities, whether it be U.S. government or foreign government or ally government or NATO government. Uh, they're really no different than our police and military, mm -hmm. but they weren't military dogs. Uh, mm. I just want to be clear on that. Yeah, so they didn't. Mm. They weren't protected by that law. The law. Yeah, that they were I, not. you know. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I like some people. <laughs> it is somewhat limited, but dogs. 
<laughs> they're so much better than people well, anyway. It's, it's just like when we talked to um, Deputy Eduardo Choate yes. from Tennessee. He yes. had a dog named Joker that was injured real bad. And it was only a misdemeanor charge uh, shooting a dog, you know, a canine dog. Yes. Yes. And then finally that got changed. But I mean, well, it's just crazy. As we talked about this. This is a small world. Mm-hmm. So Joker's in our program. <laughs> Giving Tuesday here. And we are running uh, a thing at Joker. He's in surgery today. Is he? Um, he's having more issues with his back from him being shot in line of duty. Right. And, uh, he's getting an MRI today. He's on. Uh, we had, we paid for a surgery just a few weeks ago, which was nice. thousands of dollars. Project Canine Heroes paying for another surgery today. Um, uh, the day that this is being recorded. And uh, I can tell you that uh, I was on the phone with Eduardo last night. And, you know, he is very relieved that his family, he's a deputy sheriff, as right. you know, Bradley County. Yeah. He doesn't have the funds to pay tens of thousands of dollars to sure. save his dog. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for the, anyone listening and knows that story, listen to that episode, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's one of our 260 members. And that's something wow. we're paying at 100%. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. And he just recently retired, record, I think. Yeah, he did. And that's yeah. when we put him in. He, he got placed in the program the day he retired. What's the yeah, prognosis for him with this, sec- with this surgery he's having today? Pretty good? Or it could go either way? It could go either way. He's got some serious issues. The last week, he, if people look at our page at projectcanonhero.org or, or specifically our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those things where I posted videos, he couldn't move his legs last week. Mm-hmm. Now he's lost feeling in his face. He can't blink. No. Um, he's got some serious issues there going to try to fix those it's a 50 50 but uh as i told eduardo last night we at project canine hero are here to support him and we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure he gets the best chance and best care possible Man, yeah we amazing. need to reach out to him yeah. too i'm um glad to hear uh, at least this is what's going on and we'll make sure we reach out to him as well yeah he's they're up at uh, university of tennessee in knoxville today at the medical center okay. okay do you find that the that the veterinarians and these hospitals and places that specialize especially in this very specific care. You know, we you're not talking about just any veterinarian can do this stuff. Um, do a lot of them at least reduce their rates and, and donate time or anything? Some of them. Um, you know, some of them do. It might be 10%. It might be 15, mm-hmm. 25 is probably the max. And, and some don't. And it's it's frustrating. Uh, there was a dog at a, at a state university. Uh, in Michigan, whichever one that might be, something rhymes with Spartan. And uh, <laughs> we had a military working dog there who served in Afghanistan, had an obstruction. Handler took it there, $6,500 or something like that. And I called to pay the bill and I asked if there was a discount. And they said, oh, yes, we have a 25% discount for service animals. And then they went and checked and told me, well, those are for guiding eye or seeing eye only, not for military working dogs. And I asked to speak to the manager and and basically at the end of it they were wow i paid full price wow uh, for and, and those are donations how much more get, of a right? service dog can you get <laughs> I, I know so you got you got a you got a, a dog that served in the united states military served with special operations in afghanistan no discount so and that's with me arguing with them over it Man. and wow. basically at the end of the day it was like if it was a cni dog or guiding eye dog we would give you 25 percent off but since it's not now, me as a founder and CEO, I that's a couple more thousand dollars that mm-hmm. I have to raise sure. through donations, whether yeah. we're selling T-shirts and sweatshirts or books on our website or we're getting donations through Giving Tuesday or whatever it may be. Sure. Um, well, you know, we so did. We 
uh, I bought a calendars that we'll have from them for the office. Good. And then I also, well, my wife did. She bought me a shirt, too, so I'm waiting for that to come in. But we're well, I'm going to buy that yes. book. I hope I can get it in time to yeah. take it with me to Yakima, oh, okay. you know, because I'm gonna, I'll, I'll tape it to my chest so people <laughs> think I'm important. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you... Uh, uh, one one of the deputies there is now a sergeant. He went to canine school with me, and his dog and Flash were in school together. Nice. His name is Canine Chevy. So uh, I'll give you his name later, and yeah. uh, hopefully you can meet him. Yeah. Are you teaching to the whole uh, department? or? Uh, it's open. They, they The whole purpose was to bring me in to teach for two days to the deputies mm-hmm. and spouses, eight-hour days. Okay. Um, on on stress management and resiliency awesome. and uh, suicide prevention and so apparently we've got a pretty good turnout for both days. So I'm I'm yeah, really know, looking uh, forward to this. I know Sheriff Bob Udell there really well, and he knows me really well. So awesome. Yeah. Great. great. Yeah. You know, I even thought about it. I may jump in a car with one of them one night. Uh, they may be sorry. <laughs> um, but, you know, and my whole thing, and it's funny because it's really the canines that prompted yeah. my move to Arizona. I spoke <laughs> at the Desert Dog Canine Trials. And then yeah. the next thing I knew, God was going, go west, and Phoenix is where I landed. And <laughs> one of the canines in Avondale, his name was Ranger, and he has retired and passed on. But I remember telling his handler, I said, Tony, anything happened to this dog? I'm coming after you. I said, he goes, Susan, he's protected. I don't, nope, nope, I don't care. You better take care of this dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you get up there, uh, remember this name. You want to do your ride along with Sergeant Derek Perez. He'll give you a ride along. He's a former canine handler, and he'll take care of you. Awesome. Yes, I will remember, remember that. that. Derek Perez, you got it. Yeah. He'll appreciate He'll appreciate me giving him a shout out here. <laughs> I don't know. He may never speak to you again after I ride yeah. with him. He may go, thanks a lot. After a few lot. hours in the car with Susan. <laughs> yeah, boy, where? Where's the rifle? You got it mounted in here? Because I just need to know where it is. (laughs) So go back to the small world. Me and Derek are like family. Uh, I have a scholarship at Project Canine Hero that I give out to uh, students every year at graduation. It wasn't just in the state of Michigan because I lost my sister a few years ago. It's in her name. It's called the Jody Johnson Memorial Scholarship. We also give it out to the University of Tennessee for vet students. Mm -hmm. But this year, the first year, uh, we did it out of state. And it was to uh, Lexi Perez, who's Derek's daughter, who's going to Gonzaga University. And, and Derek is a sergeant to the Yakima Sheriff's Office. So that's how small the world is. Oh, can't wait to meet. This is good. He may have to be my poster child in class. And then he can thank you for that also. <laughs> Boy, I, I, you're going to get a bad phone call. Well, I, am, uh, I am so I glad I mentioned day. Yakima. <laughs> and, and they're a relatively small sheriff's department. How many canines do you think they even have? Well, when I worked there, they didn't have any. And now I think they got... I think they have a couple of patrol and, and some that maybe do narcotics. I, I don't know. It could be two to four. I think okay. they have at least two. Of them. I think okay. they have at least two. Yeah, this is this is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to this now. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what your biggest challenge is. Well, the biggest challenge is, uh, you know, here we have the facility we're building in Tennessee on the 177 acres. We have a capital campaign and we're working on that. But when people donate, for, to the cause. They want to see it pay for a dog surgery like Joker, right? You want to see, hey, I'm paying for this medical bill. Mm-hmm. It's hard to build the facility. It's a big project. We have six buildings. It will be the most comprehensive rehabilitation facility in the world for dogs, um, police and military. And um, it's about an $8.6 million project and six different buildings. And 
we have a whole, I started a whole new auxiliary board. I have, I have six professionals in different aspects of business around the world who are now on the auxiliary board to help me use their resources and connections to get corporate donations or corporations might want to put their name on it or family trust. Cause when people donate, you know, they, they want it to see go towards the operations part. Sure. So we're raising money for that. Um, it's been a bit of a challenge because what they don't know, there's dogs here. They're going to be euthanized mm -hmm. if they don't come here. Mm -hmm. And I have to have a facility for that. Sure. And we have to have a staff for that. And we have to have an office building. We have to have kennels. And when you have kennels, you have to have kennel staff and a vet check area and grooming building and all these things, adoption cabins where, when the agencies come to drop their dog off, they have a place to stay on property. If you're going to come out and adopt one of our dogs, you have a place to stay on property and work with our dogs. So all these things come into play, which people just want to see the dog build paid. But I, I, I got to convince them that, hey, it's important that we have this as well. Sure. Um, but we're working with a lot of different corporations. We actually have over 135,000 donors, and we work in partnership with over, over 100 companies. Wow. Um, so, you know. Uh, it's there, but we got to find the right ones who want to get involved with the capital campaign. So if you're listening, you own a big company, you own a big family, you're with a part of a big family trust or anything, reach out to us at projectk9hero.org. And we're looking to put names on buildings. We're looking to, you know, some of the buildings, I know I, some of them are, you know, 1.5 million, some are 750,000. Why that seems like a ton of money. There are organizations out there who might be willing to throw their name on there that, that do give that kind of money or family foundations who maybe they're, is named after their father or their mother. And, mm -hmm. and maybe they just love police dogs. Right. And this sure. would be a good opportunity to put their name on a building here that would uh, live in perpetuity. Sure. Hmm. And when you talk about rehabbing these dogs, uh, can you give us an example of how that would work? You'd get a dog yeah. in injured from a police department. Yeah, the rehabilitation is not always physical. A lot of it's mental, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of them have aggression issues, bite issues, uh, issues where they couldn't be around children or things. What we do is we learn their triggers. They all have triggers, whatever made them react like, with their whole history. And that's why the adoption cabins are important, because if you're going to bring a dog to us, you need to spend a few days with us as the handler or trainer to explain these issues and work it out with them. We just can't put a leash on it and take it. Um, and then we try to remove all those triggers from his life mm -hmm. and make sure that those things never happen anymore. Some of the dogs stay in rehab. Uh, we were just on Good Morning America two weeks ago. Nice. I don't know if anyone saw that, but it's on our website. Uh, on Good Morning America, we had the rehoming uh, re and adoption of military working dog black and he's from the air force of grand forks north dakota he was a patrol explosive dog and he was going to be euthanized and when the government called me they said we are prepared to euthanize this dog today if you cannot take him uh, we got him down here the trainer and kennel master brought him um, and he's been here 18 months mm -hmm. and we kept him long enough to where his original handler who was still serving but couldn't take him because where his service was, he was in a single soldier in barracks and things. Hmm. Uh, now is out of the military, is going to move back home to Texas, get a ranch, have some property. He can take him. Nice. We kept him alive that long. During that time, Black actually never bit me. Um, I learned his triggers. I learned what not to do, what not to say, when not to do it. And those <laughs> are the things you got to do and kind of get them a point where they're used to working and having all that pressure on them and maybe – uh, you know, corrections and all these things. We were just remove those from the life and get them just being a dog where mm -hmm. everything's positive. You're going to play, you're going to eat, you're going to go up, you're going to sleep, you're going to repeat. Now, did they pay for to get the dog to you or you have to cover the, all of that too? No, the military, I make them bring them to me. Okay. Uh, we don't have the resources or manpower to go there and get them. And I want them to be comfortable when they're here. Sure. So I make the government military or police department 
fund their trip here, which normally they'll do. Uh, I haven't had an issue. I'm working with a couple of departments right now, uh, one with the Army and one with the police department in Texas, trying to get two more here for the openings we have. But they'll have to come here and spend time with our staff, and, mm -hmm. and we need to do the transition here to make sure we're comfortable with it, they're comfortable with it, and everything's fine. So the plans are to have a facility to house how many? Um, overall, we could have up to about 25 heroes on property at any given time. Wow. And our staff, you know, we have, uh, again, seven or eight full-time workers. We're paying those dog bills for all those heroes like Joker today all around the nation. Uh, mm -hmm. It's nothing for us to have three, four dogs in an emergency room at any given time, 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. It's nothing for our organization to drop $10,000 before I get off this phone call with a bill. So we have to work hard, spread awareness, <laughs> raise more money. All that needs to be done with the staff. Yeah. All that needs to be done in an office. So if, so if a dog is injured, how long can it take for, for them to get an approval through you to cover? I mean, because I assume sometimes there's just maybe even hours is all you have uh, for the dog to be able to get treated. If they're in our program, if they're already a program member, mm -hmm. uh, they're already covered 100%. Okay. Uh, we do get applications. Again, we only put in one new hero a week. I have to vet those out and triage who can I help today. Mm -hmm. If I helped them all, we would be out of money, sure. um, so I can't. And sure. being in the program special, like like I gave you a story of uh, Dennis. I gave you a story, you know, Joker firsthand. Yeah. It's special. Those dogs are special. Hence the word hero of Project Canine Hero. So we don't just randomly play bills. Um, a lot of people apply, and they need our help. The more money we raise, the more dogs we can help. But for now, we're comfortable at 52 a year, one, one new hero a week. And I will tell you, when we commit to a new hero a week, on average, they might live a year, they might live four years. We don't know. But on average, it's probably $25,000 in lifetime we're going to pay in medical. So wow. every week we're committing to a new $25,000. That means mm -hmm. we have to raise it through podcasts like this. Sure. Spreading awareness on Good Morning America. Sure. Uh, like you you went to the website, bought a calendar and a shirt. Uh, you know, we're having a great month in sales with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all yeah. that stuff. Today's Giving Tuesday here. Um, we have, we've, we've done over... Uh, 1600 sales on our website this month and we're approaching a hundred thousand dollars nice. but that's only making up a portion of the 4.4 million we raise per year sure. right so it's it's for me as a founder and ceo um i have to work hard i have to be diverse i have to get those corporate partnerships work with those foundations work with all the branches in the military and the police departments mm -hmm. and let them be stewards of our our goodwill and tell people about hey th this organization is saving my dog's life so um you know, be honest with you, this isn't even my only podcast today. I have, I have other podcasts today. <laughs> I'm sure. And that's what I have to do yep. to get yeah. my message out to tell people. And uh, uh, I can tell you it's a lot better than when I was in the military. And as much as I love the military, <laughs> being a police officer, working in the government, working overseas, this is so much greater fulfillment in my life. But I needed every one of those things to get where I'm at today. Sure. That's exactly that's exactly right. Now, are the plans, do you want to expand to different parts of the country as far as having facilities, or your plan is just to be right there in Tennessee? We, we have enough property here with 177 acres to house everything we need. We're already, uh, we have over 30 volunteers. You know, we have volunteers in our state. Our staff, half of our staff already works in different states, you know, as part-time. Um, and... Our mission is so specialized. Mm -hmm. You're talking when the military is going to put down a dog, they need a place to take it. It needs to come to one spot where we have that one team. Mm -hmm. uh, if we just let them go anywhere, mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you what's going to happen to them. And you can't oversight um, 
as much as you want to. Because sure. these dogs come here because they've had a history of biting people, putting people in the hospital, injuring people, and you have to be cognizant of that. So that needs direct oversight by our full-time staff. And unfortunately, uh, that's what makes our organization special. Mm -hmm. uh, we can't just do it anywhere mm -hmm. um, because when the ATF calls or, um, you know, the United States Army calls or United States Air Force calls, they're calling you because they know that you can handle it and you want to prove that to them time and time again. And I feel as if we start doing elsewhere, it's going to be too hard for me to manage that. And I don't want that to happen. Sure. sure. Do you ever get the dogs and are able to rehab them and send them back to work? Or once they come to you, they're done? <clears throat> we have a dog here. We have a dog here, Blitz, that we're trying to put back to work. He was only four when he retired. He had bit the spouse. Vancouver, British Columbia, he's our international dog. Mm -hmm. So we had Vancouver PD come all the way here to Tennessee. They brought him here. They heard about us. Uh, so we're working in other countries as well. And, uh, you know, he wasn't a good fit with the spouse and the children in the home, but that doesn't make him a bad working dog. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have medical issues. So Vancouver PD, uh, hand their trainer and administration have given me the green light. If I can get him back to work uh, with an agency, that would make them happy. The dog wants to go back to work. And I'm working with our local sheriff's department here in Marion County, Tennessee, to put uh, his name's Canine Blitz uh, with that agency and get him back to work. Because what would be better than having that dog protect the community where mm -hmm. our facility's in? I'm sure it was the spouse's fault. It yeah. wasn't the dog's fault. You know, there are just some people that he just had a, can't handle he had it. A ear, he had an ear infection, and it bothered him. And she came up and pet him on the head and hit the ear, and he didn't like it, and he grabbed her. So I would too. You know, she didn't know, but yeah. you know, yeah. these things happen, right? They yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that's why that doesn't make him a bad police dog. Not at all. Right. So that is part of your mission though, <clears throat> that when situations like that happen, you can take them in and try to get them back out it's working rare. somewhere else. Uh, most of the dogs are retired for a reason. We try to keep them retired. If the agency is okay with it and that's mm -hmm. their wishes mm -hmm. and I can do it, I don't mind. You got to look at the dog. He's four or five. He's a stud. Yeah. The, he's ready to go to work. This dude, <laughs> this dude, he had 200 captures and 27 street bites before the age of five. Wow. Wow. So he needs, he needs to be on the street arresting bad guys. Yes. Yeah. And so if that's the case, I'm more happy to oblige, especially here in my hometown community in Tennessee. Let, sure. let, let's, let's, let's put them protecting the public. Sure. Absolutely. Wow. Well, is there another organization even similar to yours? Are you really competing with anybody on this? Because this is oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a handful. There's about four or five organizations out there that do similar things. Some take in more contract dogs. Uh -huh. Some take in more military dogs and rehome them. Some only pay dog bills. I think we're unique because we're paying dog bills mm -hmm. and we also have the rehab rehoming, mm -hmm. um, which makes us very unique. Uh, we do food as well, and we do end-of-duty services. Uh, mm -hmm. We do. If you go to our YouTube page at Project In Our Hero, you'll see Cedar's funeral. You'll see a, a ceremony for Axel. We do cremation. We do urns. And then what makes us really unique, every handler in our program, we have a staff artist, one of the best pet portraits artists in the world, Nikki Furman, gets a portrait after their dog retires. Oh, and it's a custom portrait. And they each get to hang in their, their home. And um, you add all those things together. You add my background in, in with it. And you add the connections we have in the U.S. military and the U.S. government and the international scene. I feel that we're unique in that manner. Um, while we're kind of doing a, we're doing a little, a little different things. Mm -hmm. um, so 
I feel as if uh, for what we do, we're the largest in the world um, at the 4.4 million last year uh, because we do have the rehab rehoming and we are paying the dog bills. So uh, I want to keep that. Uh, Again, we got the 88% program services, 6% admin, 6% fundraising. Uh, Those numbers too with the other charities, uh, we, we are high up there and some of them we shadow. Uh, as far as they're not competing with that. So, you know, not to be biased, but we worked really hard for those numbers. Like when I started the organization going from military, police, canine, SWAT guy, government guy, I didn't know how to run it. I've had to learn a lot. And so it took me years to get to that level of, um, you know, of being a business person. And I always, I hear a lot of people out there say, Jason, oh, this organization, nobody takes a salary. And I think that's great and people all volunteer, but we cannot have that here. We have dangerous police dogs that need professional help. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, I, I cannot have, and it's 24 seven. Sure. So what it costs to take care of these dogs 24 seven, they're here on site today is money. I can't avoid the 6% admin costs right. um, because I can't have a volunteer staff, mm-hmm. but we got it low. I got mm-hmm. as low as about as I can. So I think that's great. Um, you know, and then some of the things we put out, if you look, we've had the Canine Hero Awards, which are on TV a few years. We have a great annual report that comes out. We have the calendar, which you're about to see. We have the pet portrait artist. Uh, volunteer organizations can achieve all these things because you can't get people to volunteer at that level. You sure. can't. Mm-hmm. They just, no one's going to make that many portraits, um, you know, sure. and just do it for free. No one's going to put together your annual report in the manner we have it, which is like a magazine and do it for free. So um, while I love that some organizations are volunteer only, they're, only going to be the size that they are mm-hmm. they'll never be where we're at the almost five million mark on our way to the 10 and possibly 20 million dollar year mark and affecting that many police dogs in the world not to mention that gives me the platform i need to get in united states government and push that canine hero act that i released in 2019 through change federal law change the way police and military dogs are looked at for retirement for generations to come mm-hmm. all the things i'm working on which you need that huge platform to do and that's why um we run it the way we do so for our listeners, if they want to donate food, is it that kind of a program that's on, on the website or you just that's, need the money to pay for food? That's hard to do. We have okay. a, we have food sponsored. We work with uh, Old Guard Pet Food right now and a few other companies, uh, Old Guards here in Tennessee. They drop ship food here to the facility and things like that. Most of these dogs are on prescription food or special food, so you can't just take food sure. to get a special food. We got sure. plenty of toys. We got plenty of sponsors that have stuff like that. We need help on two areas. One paying those medical bills like Joker, who's going to be thousands of dollars today, Mm -hmm. and two, building that rehabilitation rehoming facility here that are going to house dogs who are going to be euthanized otherwise. Uh, You don't have to give money. You can go to our website and go to our shop like your spouse did and bought a calendar and a shirt. Mm -hmm. You can donate directly. You can do reoccurring donations. All of that can be found on projectk9hero.org. On Giving Tuesday, we're running all kinds of donations, things today on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, all at Project Canine Hero. So easy to find. We're very researchable. And uh, that's what really helps us move the needle. Good, good. <laughs> well, we will certainly put all of that out to uh, Joelle. We'll make sure all that is written into the uh, narrative for this podcast. And again, uh, you know, we also are a 501c3, but that doesn't mean we don't turn around and also help other 501c3s because mm-hmm. I've, al- I've always said if I had a canine with an infected dew claw, I could raise a million dollars. Can't raise $10 to help a cop, but, right. uh, but we, we can get that money for those infected dew claws. But uh, yeah, anything that we can do to help 
on this because again that's uh the canines are just kind of near and dear to me is that's what really and truly prompted my move yeah this is what i say so i'm a disabled veteran and a former police officer and a former government employee like i said so we all can speak for ourselves Mm -hmm. Uh, veterans can speak for themselves they can actually change their life they can they can go to rehab they can get a job they can seek counseling they can do whatever but a dog cannot a dog cannot speak for itself a dog cannot help itself and so i believe my mission is just as strong or stronger i get a lot of people like well they give service dogs to veterans that's great but veterans can help themselves Mm -hmm. these dogs that we help they have no choice if it wasn't for us they wouldn't be here sure well the veterans they can tell you what's wrong uh, you know, they can yeah. they, they can tell you what they need. And yeah. it, that's kind of hard for the dogs. And to explain, they, they've got to have certain things. Yeah. And these are special, special right. animals. So, yep. uh, no, our, our hat's off to you. And like I said, if you get a big crate with something that's kind of barking in it, <laughs> it, it says it's postmarked from Phoenix, <laughs> you'll understand <laughs> what's coming. Yeah. No, she, she she's too near and dear to me. But, boy, there are days that I could send her over and let her run around <laughs> on your 177 acres that's for sure uh, yeah. but we really appreciate your time we know you're awfully busy especially trying to do everything that you're doing running all these oh, I, know. I don't know how you do it I, you know yeah. I've, I've been running under the shield 31 years and i'm impressed you didn't take a salary for three years i, I worked i think it was about 29 years before i was able to take <laughs> one but um yeah it, it's a whole different different mission and uh, we just yeah. want to uh, tell you thank you for all that you're doing for these special heroes because they truly are. And I don't think people really realize. I, I think no. they assume that these dogs right. are taken care of for they life. Yeah. They, I will tell you, I speak to congressmen and senators who like, don't don't they get to stay with their handlers? Don't don't we have it where they get to go with their handler? We do. But yeah. that doesn't mean that 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 sergeant right. in the Marine Corps or that deputy sheriff has that kind of money. No. Yeah. And and you look at Joker and you look at Dennis, I'm just giving you two examples of 260 dogs. Sure. They got hurt in the line of duty doing their job. Yes. Right. Why are those handlers responsible for those thousands and thousands of dollars of bills? Right. Exactly. Uh, I just, I'm very passionate about that and I'm going to do whatever I can to either make sure I raise the funds to pay it, which we do, or I'm going to change the law. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'd love to see the laws uh, even stiffer for injuring or killing one of these dogs. Right. Because I, I don't think that those... Yeah, which is in- what we did with Joker's Law here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And so me and Eduardo are working on a, an addendum to that. Um, we're, we're working one. Joker couldn't be transported by ambulance to the hospital because mm-hmm. uh, they can't transport dogs. We're <laughs> changing that law because he had to put him in his patrol car. Right. And by the time they got there, um, he almost lost him. Yeah. He could have been life flighted to the University of Tennessee by helicopter. That wasn't illegal there either. We're working with the flight here in Tennessee crew and the companies, and we're going to change that as well. Good. So me and Eduardo, when we put Joker in the program, those are the things we're working on. Just <laughs> just to give you an idea, it's when I say our organization is different, it's more than paying a dog bill. Right. Mm-hmm. It's more than saving a hero. Sure. We're trying to change it. For generations. Sure. Because I get tired of hearing departments, some chiefs say they're equipment. No, these yeah. these animals are, they're law enforcement officers exactly. or military veterans, and they need to be treated accordingly. Yep. And so uh, anything that we can do to help further this and promote it, we're more than happy to do it. And we'd like to have you back on here. You can give us an update on your uh, yeah, capital absolutely. fundraising and how that's going. Yes. and. 
so yeah, let us let us know. Keep us keep in touch with us, and I'm gonna get the lowdown on Yakima here. <laughs> <laughs> and so for those of you out there that have that heart for canines, especially, uh, please donate to this organization. I know we all kind of uh, are a little hesitant with some organizations. You never know where the money is going, but. I think we can tell you at 100% here, this is one that Under the Shield backs and supports, and we would encourage you to do it because this is something that's desperately needed. Yes. And uh, for all of you out there listening, again, at Under the Shield here for the, the human side, I wish we could do a, I'd rather do a canine side <laughs> if we could get them to talk to us and I could understand them. But uh, please, please, please reach out to us. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Holiday times are hard for people and for families, and we're here 24-7, 365. Um, some may have tried to reach us. Apparently, our phone line company had a little bit of an issue there, and if any of you were affected by that, we apologize. We have gotten that straightened out, I think. Seems to be working now. Yeah. And uh, that's why we also give our cell numbers on here. If you have a problem on the crisis line, because we're telling you when you call the 855-889-2348 and you hit extension 1, if you don't get somebody, let it ring because it's rolling to the next stress coach. But if you don't get somebody, make sure you call my cell or text me or Tom my cell number is 334-324-3570. You know, technology's great till it's not. <laughs> uh, and sadly, there are times the moon doesn't line up right or something. Um, but we're here 24-7. This is what we do. And uh, I, I don't ever want to hear anybody say, well, I didn't want to call you on your cell phone. I'm giving it to you. I do say if the sun is up in Arizona, which is most of the time, um, text me. But if the sun's down, make sure you call me. Uh, you're not going to bother me. Two in the morning, I'd rather you call and let's see what's going on with you. Tom, your number? My number is 480-861-6574. And it's important you understand we are not mandated reporters. We're not going to ask your name. We're not going to ask who you work for. Uh, only question that could be asked is, are you law enforcement, fire, military, whatever, because we want to get you to a stress coach that is probably going to be the best fit. Uh, and so, but again, we're, we're not recording it. We don't even have your phone number when you call that uh, 855 number and hit extension 1. We don't keep notes. We don't keep records. You can be Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. We don't care uh, what the name is. And families, please reach out to us also. We know that you're the first line of defense. You're the ones who see the things that are going on at home uh, and have concerns. And there's, I guarantee you, there's something we can do to try to help on that end as well. And kids, teenagers, we've got Joel here. His father was uh, a police officer here in Chandler who was killed uh, with COVID. He was the first, uh, I believe, here in Arizona that was deemed to be line of duty from COVID. And uh, he looks like he's 15, but he actually is a little older than that. He doesn't always act a little older than that. Uh, so he gets uh, the teenagers. Uh, he he does a lot of great great work with them. That's a specialty. Uh, you haven't lived till you've been the kid of a cop. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, but please reach out to us, and we just uh, ask you to understand we know about families we have a real heart for the sacrifices that are made by all first responders military uh, veterans reach out to us and thank you for your sacrifices that's why we're here at under the shield 
Again, Jason, thank you so much for your time, for what you're doing, because that is a very special cause and very, very important uh, one that we back and support. God bless you. God bless your families, and God bless this nation that we live in. Happy holidays. Take care. Stay safe and call us. Come back to see us.